Hello, everybody, and welcome to another My Music. Now, this one took a little bit of jiggery pokery to make it happen uh, because I'm speaking today to the wonderful Fran Ashcroft, and Fran uh, doesn't really do technology. Um, so we're, we're quite amazed, actually. We've managed to make all of this happen on quite old tech, which is great. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about sort of uh, old tech and new tech and, and why we shouldn't be using it. Uh, straight after this. you see now i spoke too soon because uh what happened was i started did the video and uh fran disappeared simple as that i'm going to see if i can get fran back um hopefully we can because you know fran's uh, such an interesting character and uh and I, and I want to speak to him about his new album which is absolutely amazing in fact maybe i'll tell you a little bit about that while we're waiting um I'm just contacting him by the uh, the power of email while we speak. Um, so, yeah, I, I was asked to have a listen to uh, Fran's album. And some of you probably know Fran more from his uh, production work than, than other things. Um, but, yeah, Fran has got a fantastic new album out at the moment. And... Oh, look, I'm seeing, seeing if I can get him back. Uh, and there's a single on it as well, Waiting for the Britpop Revival, which is something we're, we're all waiting for. Uh, at the Songs That Never Were album is really like a trip down memory lane, but in a very new way of all of your favourite uh, records that you could possibly ever think of. And the production on the album as you will probably remember from the old, not the nine o'clock news sketch is fantastic. You know, you remember sort of the Johnny, uh, the Johnny Mathis thing that Gerald the gorilla said. And so anyway, hopefully I won't just be talking to myself for very long. Hopefully we will get Fran back. Let's see what happens. Um, here he is. Look at this. Here comes Fran. Right, as we speak, uh, it's going to maybe take a minute or two to get him back. This is this is kind of modern life. Here we are. There we go. Ah, wonderful. There we go. Got managed to get you back. I managed to waffle in the in the interim, uh, which was yeah, yeah, which I heard was the waffle. Wonderful. That was very good. Thank you, thank you very much indeed. Tell tell me uh, about this album, sir. Um, uh, when I listened to it, I really felt that you kind of rifled through a lot of my favourite albums um uh, <laughs> you'd kind of you'd kind of picked sort of songs that i liked rewrote them and then in terms of the production you, you seem to go here there and everywhere in terms of trying to trying to hide things that 
ordinarily should be bright and then dull and dull things that should be bright and then make bright things that should shouldn't normally be heard well just we're just where were you coming from <laughs> uh well it was a strange album because it's basically this collaboration between me and me from 50 years ago so right yeah <laughs> there are a lot of about half the album is songs that were made a very long time ago originally from going as far back as 1972 so it may mirror some of the things you heard in that kind of era um but i wasn't actually doing that at the time uh, <laughs> it's a it's a weird one i used ai so i could separate what were mono recordings uh very primitive um everybody playing at once that kind of thing um some of the songs well most of them were kind of rewritten um typically i would take off the original vocal and replace it with a new melody and new lyrics uh stuff like that and maybe add a couple of things or take away a couple of things so there's this kind of co combination of things that are very recent that's happened to these songs and things that have stayed exactly as they were um I, and i deliberately left all the background noise and tape hiss and you name it in all the recordings um rather than clean them up um i think i felt if you started cleaning things up all the character would be gone and the whole thing would be pointless yeah so we have the we have a range of different sounds and i think it's a surprise every time really as you listen to it as to what era that might have been from uh, but it's not exactly like it was at the time because some things have changed and yeah. yet some have changed the same do you know what I meant mean by the the fact that like some of the some of the elements are really bright and then some are really dull but actually what was it a deliberate process when or was it literally what you could actually extract from it that made it that it's ne that doesn't necessarily go bright where you think it would go bright if someone was like remastering something these days yeah do you know yeah, what I mean? Um, where because that's what like a lot we're used to like remastering now, aren't we? So we're used to like someone sure. taking something old and making it seem like it's you know yeah uh, it's well, been made just now. But this isn't this isn't like that. No, I left the stuff that was old, old, exactly as it was. Yeah, um, I might have put new stuff on top of it, which obviously sounds different so you have this combination of odd stuff going on and then there's some new tracks that have got old stuff in there as the basic thing um it's brilliant so it, it it is this sort of very weird sort of as i say collaboration between these different eras do you think anybody's going to pick this album up in like 30 years from now and remaster it and try and make it all bright 
And and would you would um, you would you I quite get? Let, I wouldn't let anybody do that. Well, great. I was going to say, would you get quite angry about that? Because yeah, <laughs> be yeah. Defeated. I mean, the, the the record is exactly what it should be like. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of new territory, and in some ways, I knew exactly what I would end up with. And in other ways, there were one or two things that I think, well, could I get away with that or not? Yeah. <laughs> and always, if I ask myself, can I get away with that or not? I'll do it to see if I can. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Do you do you think, as someone that's you know known for their production, do you think that actually these days with technology and being able to clean up? things and whatever from the past or whatever do you think we we sometimes spoil stuff by trying to go back over it and try and clean it all up and always yeah always if you remaster stuff it's never going to be better than the original ones um particularly if you go into old material where they do a re-release on digital and so on um records that for example would have been originally cut to vinyl and the whole mastering process in those days was all about how you cut it to vinyl. And some guys were very good at that. And some guys are pretty crap at it. So, <laughs> you know, you get, there's a lot of bad sounding records from, you know, the ancient periods or quasi modern periods because they weren't all good. Yeah, yeah. But the, the ones that are good should not be changed. Yeah. And when they go over it and sort of, remodel it or stereoize it or whatever the hell they do with it is shouldn't be there on stuff yeah um, it, it's always just to make money from and try and resell what is fundamentally an old product that's you know perfect as it is and just mess around with it to give an excuse to re-release it and get more people to buy it or buy it all over again yeah is it well it that's true. Although, do you feel that there's ever an excuse for it? If, but but it's ultimately, if somebody says that I am actually reinventing this piece, that's is, rather different. But it, that's it different. All, isn't all it? depends what you mean by reinventing. Yeah, uh, reinventing isn't sticking an orchestra on you know Roy Orbison's records. It's an orchestra that shouldn't be there. You know they would have put one on in the first place you know um, yeah so a lot of the time it's inappropriate yeah absolutely what do you what I mean, do you make of these... on an ad at the moment where they took an old yeah. song and they've overdubbed some like new sounding drums on top of it to try and make it great to sell the ad with and it's awful it's just they just completely ruined it and they got this kick drum coming in and all the levels are wrong it's just awful I, I, won't name, I won't name the ad. No, no, no. But it seems it, a part of it seems to miss part of the 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 rationale for using that song in the first place. I think, which is that yeah, surely but... one of the reasons you use a song, especially an older song, is because it's got a emotive connection to a, a to a point in time, and if you if you then completely change it away from what it actually was, you're, you're distorting the memory. So therefore people don't actually res resonate with it in the same way. In the, in, no, in the way not, you probably not at all. To. 
you know, they, they make a mistake when they think that, oh, well, you know, if we shove some electronic drums on it, we can get a new audience. They're completely wrong. Yeah. Because, you know, they underestimate, you know, what a new audience is and what it wants. Yeah. And I know that from talking to lots of young artists that have come through and talked to me on here, which is that, you know, they absolutely love older records. They love older music the way it was. And, you know, a lot of them will be like, oh, if only yeah, I did actually get you know, it to sound like that at that time, you know. I mean, good records, the ones that have been around a long time and the ones that you still hear, we still hear them because they're good. Mm. And what they sound like doesn't matter. You, you know, there's a mistake when people talk about fidelity, for example, about, oh, well, it has to sound like this and you have to have this particular device on it because that's what everybody's using to make it sound current and make it sound good. So the definition of what is a good sound, it's a relative thing. It's not to do with whether the sonics are you know wider or the smaller or it's stereo or it's mono you know it's what's appropriate to a record that's important yeah who do you who's out there at the moment that's making music who do you think is good at being sensitive to what's needed in terms of authenticity of sound i think the problem is with with all the mainstream record, uh, records, you know, i.e. major label stuff, it's become so corporatized that records are sort of made by committee. So they'll have yeah. a team of songwriters building a song that's just like this or just like that, you know, right into order. I mean, I could do that if I wanted. In fact, I used to do that or I get asked to do that. Um, and if you know how to write, you can knock them out like that, but they don't mean anything and they don't resonate with anybody. They're, they're sort of point, a pointless exercise. Um, anything that's actually interesting um, is always coming from, well, not exactly, you wouldn't say the street, but independently made records. And the ones that become popular independently you know, those artists are picked up by majors and then remodeled to make them accessible to a wide audience and, and they ruin them in the process. And mm -hmm. that's what major record companies have done for a very long time. Yeah. Well, I spoke to a young independent artist last night who's really maintained her independence all the way through her career. And she's, she said just how important that was to her because she felt exactly the same way that you know um although she's had interest from from labels she just felt that she would lose the ability to actually say what she needed to say in the way that she needed to say it um which is really interesting isn't it i mean it's it's, it's absolutely correct though yeah and any anybody who goes through this um independent through to big major record deal thing um and it doesn't matter who they are um it becomes compromised because there's all these pressures from the label to do this to do that to do the other blah 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 um and you end up feeling compromised um whether it be 
oh, we need another another A side, you know, for next week or whatever was the usual thing you used to get. Um, you know, and I know this because I've been through it myself. I'm, yeah, I'm very familiar territory. Uh, what is really nice for me now, all these years on, um, I mean, obviously I've been a producer mainly, um, but I started off as an artist, as a solo artist or whatever. Um, I remember feeling compromised in 1973, <laughs> you know, and, and then it's a, a decision about, well, what do you want to do? Um, do you want to take the money, which the money enables you to have the time so you can develop. Uh, but of course, you have the time to develop, but they put these pressures on you to develop in a certain way. And so it's the old art versus commerce thing. Mm. You know, and there's no, there's no real answer to it other than if you're able to stay independent, stay independent. And the great thing about you know, the modern music business is there are two different tiers of it. So you can actually choose, do you want to be with a major label or do you want to stay independent? And the other reason for staying independent is because if you sign to a major record label, they bloody own you for life these days. <laughs> it didn't used to be like that, but they do now. Yeah, yeah. They own, you know, some of them want to own your actual name. <laughs> well, absolutely. We're seeing, we're seeing though a, um, and this will probably lead us nicely into talking about your your uh, single from this album as well. But we're seeing at the moment a few things happening which are really quite interesting. So one of the things that we're seeing happen is we're seeing uh, independent artists really getting their together when it comes to being able to. Um, motivate their fan base into buying that seems to be really really strong i mean what we've seen in the in the last few years is quite a few independent artists albums getting to the number one slot and it's been done by literally hitting the streets opening up pop-up shops getting people down to gigs bash 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 you know hard graft to, to get there yeah but but it's but it's working and every time it works well what's lovely is we're then seeing like everybody from the community getting behind it and going right yeah we're we're going to help you get to your album to number one as well because kind of we're sick of the industry really i think that's that's kind of what's coming through so that's happening i think it's fantastic and you know somebody who's doing that and staying as independent as they possibly can i would say keep doing it because if you sign to a major record label they'll work you even harder <laughs> and you'll get much less for it <laughs> don't think it's going to be an easy life yeah but the yeah, other the other thing we're seeing is with the other thing we're seeing is we are seeing major artists trying to get back their independence and and trying to be business savvy about it because so it shows you that you, nobody's kind of free from this no even even at the top I, you know taylor swift remaking all of absolutely. her own albums yeah uh towards the end of last year ed sheeran the second album that he released of the year 
he released it on his own record label. Clearly, it didn't have the push or, you know, whatever that it would have done if it had been released on, on the, the label that he signed to. But, you know, and he, he openly came out and said, well, I, I don't have any expectations for this. It still went to number one. He's Ed Sheeran. But, I, you know, we're, what we're seeing is artists trying to take back control, aren't we, in order to... Yes, and they, and they should because, you know, it's got out of hand over the years. Um, to make a sort of quick comparison on that, on that um, when I was recording with my band back in the late 70s, um, we're going to the studio and basically we were not interfered with um, other than the producer choosing the wrong sort of studio for us perhaps. But um, <laughs> from a creative point of view, there weren't really any restrictions other than all they were interested in was, have you got a single or not? You know, and they go with the one that they thought was a single. Um, there was very little control otherwise. They, they weren't sort of stepping in every two minutes saying, well, you've got to have this done and you've got to come up with that or that or we're getting these writers in because they can do a better job than you can. There was none of that. Um, that changed over the years and it started to change in the 1980s. Mm. Uh, you know, with like the stock with Aiken Waterman thing where it became a package and the writers did this and the producers did that. And there you go, bang, bang, another hit single. Um, and from then on, it became more and more and more corporatized. Mm. And now we got to a point where you got everything Spotify, that's about it. Um, and if you're an artist or a writer on Spotify, you're getting nothing. You're getting 0 0.003 pence for a play, as opposed to in the old days, uh, when you got a play on Radio 1, you were getting 40 quid. Yeah, right. Each play. <laughs> How things have changed. How things have changed. I think it's quite interesting as well. Um, don't know whether you've been following it at all, but it's quite interesting to see uh, or hear from people like Rick Astley over the last year or so, where he's, been, he's, he's just written his book and he's he's been talking... Um, I saw him talking to Justin Hawkins on his podcast the other day. He did an interview with him about just how much he was affected by that whole going along with the stock in Waterman thing, you know, being a, being a, you know, uh, part of the machine, if you like. And that, yeah, it was in a one way, it was a great opportunity. And, uh, but, you know, as someone, was in a band he did play drums he did write his own music he did he could sing etc you know it kind of stripped his musical identity for from him for years and it took him decades to get that back mm -hmm. so you know i, mean, I can understand I think, it yeah I, I really understand that yeah and i mean that that's how much you can be compromised yeah, and, and, and more, I think the it's more a good lesson, isn't it? The longer it takes to get over it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Talk, talk to me about um, talk to me about the single. Uh, waiting for the 
what revival I, single. that yeah. was a lot of fun that was that was the one that i just did it um to test out what ai did or what it was capable of <laughs> um you know because i had a friend of mine who got the ai software and stuff and said oh i can separate these tracks and remix this and blah blah blah, blah. and i thought it was interesting so i just i was just checking it out really um and by coincidence um i had a tune in my head which was similar to a song i would written a very long time ago and i thought oh you know you could you could just like shove that on top of that one it'd be great you know it'd be much better um so i just did it as a test and i took the old vocal off and put a new one on with a new tune um and i thought it sounded great you know yeah uh so I thought, right what else have i got <laughs> hence album well that that song and the title of that song i mean how much of that is tongue-in-cheek in a way it's all tongue-in-cheek because yeah. i miss Britpop entirely you know i might i might have known damon and all that stuff you blinked uh, and I, I moved to the states in 1989 <laughs> uh and i was i didn't even get really back to england till around about 97 so Britpop mm. was there and gone by then yeah um and i thought shit i've missed that um that would be sort of would have been up my street as a producer uh, well i think a lot of us a lot of us even who were around and growing up at the time and and you know were going to gigs and i think we half missed it <laughs> you know it was over very quick it was over a lot oh, yeah. more quickly than than i think history probably gives it credence for oh sure sure i mean I think the I think the idea came from me when I thought, well, let's see if I can catch up on Britpop and catch up on the things that I missed, the records yeah. I hadn't never heard. Um, so I was hearing Elastica and you know the the one hit wonders and all the yeah. one hit wonders I'd never even heard because you don't get anything like that in America. Um, and I thought, oh, some of that stuff was really good. Some of it, not much, but some of it was really good um there were a lot of there um, were a lot of bands that had one song that was a lot really... of bands that had one song um and the one songs were really good yeah um and the rest of it sort of really didn't resonate other than blur and like oasis who i don't really even class as bird thought you know they're just a derivative band that's it you know yeah um, didn't mean anything to me uh, Blur were always just a bit too clever for their own good. Do, do you rate, though, Damon Auburn as a producer himself over the years now? Um, well, Damon, you know, with Damon, it depends who he's collaborating with. Right. Um, he needs a collaborator. And if he's got a really good collaborator, um, he does really good stuff. And if he's got one that's not that great, then the stuff's not that great. That's um, interesting. But he needs someone to bounce ideas off. Because mm. he, he always had plenty of ideas. It was just, you know, working on his own. Um, could never quite get what he wanted out of them, shall we say. Yeah. I'm being, I'm being kind. Okay. 
<laughs> I think maybe maybe that's why Blur albums appear when they appear, as they do. Um, I mean, it's yeah. It's... I mean, I think they're a good band and a lot of good songs and a lot of, um, you know, to my mind, very well made stuff. Hmm. You know, but to a limited audience, really. Um, I mean, for a mainstream British audience or an American audience, you know, it, it's a bit clever, clever. You know, I mean, yeah, I know you sort of went to art school and all that stuff. You know, I, I, I understand it because I did. <laughs> you know, and you've got your own thing that's like, oh, you're putting all your little in jokes and stuff. Um, but that doesn't translate to the wider public as Oasis did, because that was all straightforward, the, straightforward the, 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 uh, you know, uh, very yeah. familiar territory. Yeah. And therefore more commercial. Is there, is there anyone over the years, maybe, you know, uh, as an artist, but or maybe as a producer that you feel sort of just missed out or we missed out on them, um, but actually they, you know, we, we should we should go back and listen to them. Oh, there are so many. There are so many who, you know, maybe they had one hit or something that got in the middle part of the top 30 and, and then to sort of gradually disappear. Um, or indeed, some old albums that have resurfaced later on and become popular, particularly on vinyl. Um, there's so many, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I could pick one. Um, but there are loads. There are loads of almost did. XTC is a very good example in a sense. Um, you know, they had a few hits, a few decent hits. Um, and then it was fundamentally disagreements with the record label and, you know, what they wanted them to do. Mm. Um, so they got saddled with the inappropriate producers or they were well they wouldn't let them even release their psychedelic album initially did they you know the one that was very popular with them uh that they put out under a different name yeah yeah um, yeah and then they got tied up in legal wranglings for 30 years <laughs> that happens as well <laughs> yeah i mean when they had a one uh, album that went gold in america um and at the time, the drummer had a part-time job as a milkman because he couldn't survive off what they were earning. It's crazy, uh, isn't dis it? Disgraceful. Yeah, disgraceful. They're of you know a very very good band. And I think people if, know if that they were left to their own devices. Yeah, and I think people know that because, um, but it, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know. That the way that people find music is there's there's a group of people out there that 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 actually explore music, and they find the gems because they're they're bothered to look. And then there's a group of people that just literally let music pass by them, and they're they're like that because it's going past them at the time. A bit like the you know the generation game uh, el um, escalator <laughs> thing, you know. You know. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, cuddly toy, uh, you know, food blender. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take this band at the time, right? 
Um, but they don't they don't see anything outside of that really because they can't be bothered to look. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know when bands are special by doing things like this, because I spoke to um I did an interview with Colin Moulding. Ah yes. Uh, it's the most viewed interview out of anything on YouTube and the comments and the, the love for Co Colin and his bass playing and his, and his songwriting and whatever just pours in from those that are in the know, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like that. Um, you know, music enthusiasts, they're very good at like spreading the word really about, you know, the things that they like or the things that they love. Um, and it's those music enthusiasts that are really responsible for the resurgence and popularity of vinyl at the minute, mm. which obviously the major labels hopped on and took all the, uh, all the, all, all the uh, press implants over so that the independents couldn't get a look at anymore. Uh, and they took it away from them and sort of started bunging out Fleetwood Mac albums of, you know, in five million quantities. Yeah. Um, but, but it's well, the music enthusiasts at, at really grassroots level, the ones that dig out all these gems, uh, that are responsible for that entirely. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we saw, I mean, we saw a, a new um, pressing plant open in Manchester last year, I think it was. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see collectives of music enthusiasts actually start to put money in and create. Well, I mean, the, 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 there are, uh, you know, a number of, you know, independent labels who say just do vinyl or whatever. The problem at the moment is because the majors have took all the capacity, hmm. the manufacturing capacity, um, I mean, a friend of mine who I've mastered most of his vinyl through the years, um, he used to have a turnaround time of a maximum of two months. So he was able to schedule all his releases in advance and make sense of what he was going to do for an entire year very easily. Um, now, um, he's lucky if it's eight months. You know, and you know, this last year it got to 12 months, yeah, yeah. And you know, you can't run a label if you got to look a year ahead because you know, when you're, you're in the vinyl business, fundamentally, you pay up front, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the economics don't add up anymore. Uh, and he's been limited now, uh, into doing like cd compilations mm -hmm. in the meantime until things perhaps settle down and the majors aren't interested in vinyl anymore yeah and also because you're ending up asking artists to promote the material that they wrote two years ago <laughs> you know? well yeah yeah so it it all becomes out of step at that point yeah exactly you know so oh sorry we're on we're on this album now yeah and you've got music fans who you know they'll wait a while for a a new release from this artist they like if they got to wait two years for it so maybe they've found somebody else as well to be going on with you know yeah well there you are Some, something to campaign for um we need more philanthropists out there to, to put some money into uh record plants but then 
only allow independent artists to to use it yeah i mean I think, the, I think the other other problem strictly from a vinyl point of view in this country is that we got rid of all our pressing plants so up until that one in manchester opened or wherever it was um we didn't have any yeah yeah so we, might have, we might have had one that did short runs um so if you wanted vinyl it was coming from europe yeah since brexit you know the cost of importing it and the duty and all the rest of it is astronomical so the price that a small label can charge for a, a vinyl album um has gone up so much that it becomes unaffordable yeah so they've kind of wrecked it for them really the majors well let, let's hope something changes that that would be good um it always does it just seems to take a hell of a long time yeah it's a, it's a little bit like uh i can't remember what the name of the campaign is now but there's a there's a campaign out um to get the larger venues to put money back into the smaller venues because we we're losing too many small venues which is yes. the the you know the sort of growth growth ground for any artist you know yeah the art, I, I, the art. I think i think that's a really big problem uh and that's i think due to you know when covid came along a lot of those venues couldn't sustain themselves anymore because they ran out of money yeah so they closed down and there's a lot of things that close down that can't afford to reopen um you know yeah. where, wherever people were going you know they went to this gig or that gig in this place they've been going to for years doesn't exist anymore so now i don't know maybe they do something else instead yeah well the argument is that you know with the astronomical price that's being charged to go and see certain mainstream acts at, yeah. at, at larger venues that if some of that money was tiered down into the smaller venues then then the, it would work um and yeah. it's needed because you know nobody gets up on nobody but nobody gets up on stage in front of uh a hundred thousand people having not learned their craft nobody you know and that that's the whole argument if you, oh, yeah. if, you if you lose these smaller venues where do these people play to become the people that you go to see at a large venue you you eventually absolutely. lose that as well so absolutely you know, you know I, um i mean it was bad enough when bands were reduced up into playing pubs i thought yeah. that was pretty bad <laughs> yeah especially when people still smoked in pubs um as i as i was discussing with uh <laughs> nick hudson the other day on here because um where he lives now people do still smoke in pubs and it's and he said oh i can't we had to move his interview once because he couldn't speak because he'd been playing in a pub um but yeah uh, you know i used to suffer terribly um, after playing like six pubs in a row yeah you, as a vocalist your voice is like because you just inhaled everybody's cigarettes for for the last well, man used to give out at the end every night i'll say that yeah there you go um you know and then and then they brought in the you know sort of clean air act and it was all okay um are you hoping as part of this album as it goes out and because you you are obviously sort of you know uh 
tracing back into the past as well with some some of the music are you hoping people will use it as a bit of a stepping ground as well to go and investigate the original material as well and um I, that never occurred to me at all you know i i just you were having so much fun <laughs> well yeah i just saw this album for what it is you know yeah, nothing, yeah. I, did, I didn't sort of relate it to anything outside or or will it do this or will it do that um i just wanted to make the record you know as it is yeah although it may do that as a as a matter of fact it might it'd be interesting just, yeah it could be interesting i mean i didn't know what anyone would make of this thing you know i mean the first time when i assembled the final running order and i listened to it back the first time it's like i couldn't make any tail of it i thought you know and it was it was like a surprise every time even though i you know knew that the songs when i heard them in sequence with each other it was like oh well that happened then did it oh right you know it surprised me so in terms of sort of classifying what it is i, I still think that's really difficult for me to do i don't know cool you know i know it i know it spans this kind of period of time yeah uh, over well a long period of time um but exactly what it is or or whether things that are from 50 years ago still resonate perhaps it mm. resonate in a different way um i hope that they resonate um in some kind of way it's probably the closest thing i can put to it yeah well for for anyone listening if if you if you prefer your music to be like an exotic box of chocolates with tastes where you don't really know what it's going to be like uh, until you bite in to each one as opposed to the the you know uh faceless tub of stuff that you chomp on at christmas uh this is the album for you yeah i uh, think that's a very good analogy you thank know, you just watch out for the marzipan yes we won't tell you where it is <laughs> 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 won't tell you which track it is but um you know it's it's in there and it, it may even have a slightly aniseedy taste to it as well aniseedy <laughs> aniseedy marzipan but well, fran i'm glad we finally got there we we actually managed to achieve this with i'm going to say windows 7 technology which is which that's is right and, and my complete lack of it absolute this, this is a man who doesn't have a mobile phone you know yeah. this, is where, this is where we're talking absolutely there well that's one thing you and uh damon alban have got in common because he doesn't like a mobile phone either so um you know although oh, I, I he owns one <laughs> well he could yes apparently he does but apparently his daughter has hold of it oh well you, that's a good strategy isn't it yeah yeah it, it gives it gives the responsibility to somebody else there you go collaborating even to the last um <laughs> But it's been a pleasure to see you. Uh, pleasure to talk music with you. Um, and uh, you know, please, folks, if you've been listening to Fran and you've enjoyed the conversation, now go and check out the album. We'll put some links to that uh, as this goes out, and you can go and um, fill your boots and enjoy. Uh, please do go and buy it as well if uh, if you've got money, because that's a that's a really good thing to do. Until next time, thanks for watching. Bye for now. Thank you very much, Graham.